Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies, back to the Watery Death Show podcast. This is Stream of Thought for the summer 2021 anime season. I hope I pronounced that correctly. The <laughs> summer season. season. Uh, it's always anime season here, though. Um, I hope y'all are doing well today. Um, I am the subtle doctor. Still am the subtle doctor. That hasn't changed. Uh, you can tell that we've been on a bit of a break. A couple weeks off. Uh, maybe a little bit of ring rust, but hopefully we'll work that off as we go. I am joined by my ever-present co-host, uh, the chromiest dome, <laughs> the manliest Mancunian, the guiltiest gear, Shadon. The hardest working man in pod business as well. Welcome back, Shadon. Thanks, Doc. Um, I'm just going to say now that for today you may call me the Raging Radish because I am very beetroot or radish colored red. This is because of sunburn and in case you're wondering why I am sunburn, there is, there's a long and complicated story behind this. It's really nuanced. There are many, many layers to it, things to take away, but I feel like I can give you the distilled, um, you know, cliff note summary of I'm a moron. So... There you are. Um, so yeah, currently working through the weird hangover adjacent brain fog of having horrible sunburn on my head, which given that I am as bald as the day I was born, if not balder, uh, is not entirely pleasant. Um, but that being said, I'm looking forward to talking about Sunny Boy. Um, I am looking forward to trying to untangle uh, the web that is woven through this show's first three episodes and make some sense of it and offer some thoughts um because yeah this this show is uh it's intriguing certainly is a puzzle i am re- very ready that to, is <laughs> very ready to uh try and uh solve i feel like that's such a good word to encapsulate my feelings about it like this show fascinates me uh and i am very intrigued by it it, it is now. the quintessential beard stroking anime <laughs> for, for, for the it really is. For, for the people at home <laughs> You must wear a beret to watch a pr- uh, correctly. Just there smoking a pipe, considering it. <laughs> exactly. Like, so, before we get into it, though, because and, and just know that I, I have very little in the way of, like, certainty about this show, mm-hmm. and, like, really um, anything more than very basic cursory takes i feel i feel like my takes are not up to snuff we'll see i'll think about it, of course as we go along um but before we get into talking about the show proper uh i just want to quickly say that if you enjoy uh our work or you want to uh get the latest about what's going on at water we death show you can follow the pod at water we death show you can follow me at the subtle doctor and shadon at shadon 1010 all on twitter um and you could subscribe to us over at our Patreon. That's the the most bestest way to support the show, if you can. Of course, no obligation to do that. It's over at patreon.com slash show. Um, of course, all this is very Googleable. I think we we cornered the market on on this name for podcasting. Um, you know what's so like, if you're interested in... You know what's also yeah. Googleable? Uh, how not to get sunburned, but I didn't do that. Don't make my mistake. Use Google to its fullest abilities and look us up through there. What is it? You didn't use the net Googles. 
Is that what it's called in the show? The the off-brand search engine? I, I, Google. I use I use Google. Um, it's the fake Google. It just doesn't give you anything useful. It's like the I'm lucky function, or I'm feeling lucky function on Google, except it's disguised as a genuine search engine. So you type in Alan's Get Sunburn, it tells you things like, you know, how many people eat cheese per capita in Germany or some shit like that. <laughs> there needs to be a Tumblr that chronicles fake social media apps in anime like not just like totally original ones but like knockoffs such as net googles or gogol i feel like that was one maybe in sarazanmai there was like there's there's so many i we we need something some kind of collection of screenshots that will allow us to search and and have some kind of database. This is important information. We need to Google the fake Googles, basically. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, I mean that, all, that all sounds very impressive, but if there's one thing that Sunny Boy has shown me, it, it is that there is someone out there with the skill to create a QR code using only chalk and a board, which was <laughs> mighty impressive. Dude. Okay. Why is the show called Sunny Boy? Do we know? Does um, anyone know at this point? Is it is it because the person who wrote the show or created the show is a huge fan of Foghorn Leghorn? I don't know. As far as I good, say, I say, I say, uh, anime, Sonny <laughs> Boy. I, I, I wish I knew. It, it, it sounds like the refrain of like some really cantankerous like cowboy in a spaghetti western, like a side character. Your guess is good as mine. I'm sure we'll find out. Like everything else in the Maybe. show, I'm sure we'll find out. That's going to be something I'm going to repeat often throughout this podcast. Um, feel free to drink your favorite <laughs> alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage every time I say it. Probably the latter is more preferable because I'm going to say it so many times, you will be plastered by the end of it. We'll figure out later. It'll all make sense, I hope. I feel like we're going to be just... This pot is going to be us scratching in the dirt. No, I, I have, I, I have, I have ideas. <laughs> I, have, I have, I have, I have ideas and thoughts and analyses to give, um, and bad jokes. So, you know, perfect. I'm, I, I might have like deep fried my brain. You know, like it might have poached like an egg, but it still functions a little bit. You know, make it work. The essential parts, the essential parts work. Like the pun making center of your brain is still functional. Oh, that's 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 deep down in the protected area but mm -hmm. yeah exactly he's at the core of the of the of the web mm -hmm. in there um gogo atomic robot says uh that they think it's a code name for an experiment uh that sent the kids to this island i think that's as, as good a guess as any i can come up with that quite for sure. quite possibly to which i will only say I hope whoever initiated uh, Project Sunny Boy has a very, very <laughs> deep Texan accent. Operation Sunny Boy is go. Repeat, Operation Sunny Boy is go. Push, push that <laughs> Such button. Such a weird... What's like the link? Like, how does that... Well, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I feel like... No, let's not do this. <laughs> so, uh, before... Okay. Um, so, uh, back of box, Shadon. Um... Summarize your feelings about the show. Uh, well, I think the first thing I could say is that I'm not going to pretend this show isn't obtuse. It comes in with no like pretenses or excuses or concessions, really, to the audience. But I think that's actually fine. Not all shows need to be necessarily like readily accessible. Um, so I'm okay with that. 
And beyond that, I'll just say this. I do think it has actually a really, really interesting subversion of its core premise, which is people teleported to or taken to or spirited away to another place without usual access to like resources or normal society or civilization. Mm -hmm. Because there's been tons of stories like that before. I mean, they actually outright reference Treasure Island, which while not, from my memory, is a marooned on an island story. It's just more about finding said island of treasure and all that. Um, There are, of course, adjacent stories to that Lord of the Flies is the one that immediately springs to mind. You know, there's there's tons of them out there. Um, And they, generally speaking, trend towards the same kind of outcome. But Sunny Boy actually seems to have a different take on this, which I will get to when we get to talking points. I find rather fascinating uh, and actually kind of subversive, Mm. um, which Mm. could be interesting, although it might also just be a case of me with my sunburnt bait brain reading way too much into things as usual. But, you know, um, beyond that, um, yeah, it's off to a okay start. I wouldn't blame people if they watched the first three episodes and they're like, mm, whatever. But at the same time, I appreciate that it's not trying to be it something. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm strange and odd and obtuse as fuck and maybe a little bit impenetrable. Do I care? No, not really. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you about uh, basically all that. Like, it is an arty kind of weird anime. It's... Obtuse is a great word, you know, kind of opaque about, you know, what it's trying to do and certain mechanics. There's a lot of weird imagery. Many things happen that are unexplained. Tons of non sequiturs. Uh, but like like you were saying, not only, so I'll go that further. Not only is that okay, but I actually really enjoy that. I, I like when mm. really odd story full of strange imagery can kind of pull me along it doesn't really need to like explain every little thing. Like I, I get the sense, you know, at this point in the show that if like we're expecting, you know, like a catalog of like, well, these things are this and these, you know, blue and green, you know, electronic doggies, like they represent this thing and that. So that's, I feel like not going to happen, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, am enjoying this show just kind of at the level of, you know, I, I like the pretty pictures, uh-huh. uh, like, you know, pull, pull me along, you know, I'm, I'm here for your roller coaster ride of like weird shit. Um, I I'll take that. And you know, your Lord of the flies comparisons are apt. Definitely. I mean, that's like the, or one of these stories. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting differences I think is like that there's not resource scarcity. Mm. So, you know, it kind of, the, the impetus for conflict in the group is different um, than just like, well, there's not enough meat or, you know, there's not water or whatever. Um, it's sort of almost like, uh, did you ever, did you ever take up like a political theory course uh, um, in university or? Yeah, I got, I got mine from the University of Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Okay. No, I did, I did, I did not. Good. I did not. Um, at least, at least you didn't enroll in the Prager U one. Yeah. That's you I, uh, know, yeah. I, I graduated magna cum laude, but I think that might have been from a different course on Reddit entirely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, there's like uh, a lot of like early modern political theory, uh, like you know, post Renaissance uh, 
through like the 19th century or so was really into this idea like in political theory called like the state of nature you know people like thomas hobbes jean-jacques rousseau would talk a lot about like if you scaled society back or just imagine society like at like its origins like when it was disparate people coming together to kind of make something um what would that look like and why would it be that way and all kinds of it reminds me a little bit of that you know because it's not of course exactly the same thing but they are kind of their own political entity their own uh state i guess uh not maybe that's too loaded of a term but they're their own little society and they're having to figure out like ways of uh of existing together you know uh how uh how uh, sort of strict are the rules and how collaborative is it all that stuff and so all that stuff i don't want to get too too deep into it because we're only on back of box section but i really like all that stuff and i think that's some really interesting thought experiments mm-hmm. going Indeed. on you, um, you're touching on uh, what i'll be talking about later as a matter of fact so yeah there is, i think that this is not i would say um certainly about the characters I mean, there are this particular episode two thus far is certainly about a character, but I wouldn't. Right. I would not call it character focused in, say, the way that Dinozenon was. Um, and I wouldn't even necessarily call Dinozenon an ultra character focused show, but rather as a ensemble cast. But they were very distinct people. I sometimes keep forgetting the names of these characters and just you know not really telling. Oh about. man! But this is totally. But this, I would say, is more of a conceptual show. Like we're going to put characters in situations, and we're going to make like examinations of the situation that they're in and maybe draw some meanings and inference i mean if ultimately i suppose if you want a shorter too long didn't read single sentence uh summary from me it's like the shugenics arc in guilty crown except not shit <laughs> the shugenics arc. which just just to God. refresh your memory is when the kids in the high school uh are all like trapped there uh separated from adults they get ranked on their powers. So again, I'm literally not even kidding when I say it's a yeah. lot like that. Um, and, you know, there's this whole conflict over various things, except, I mean, saying Guilty Crown is stupid. It feels like, you know, stating that, you know, the air has oxygen in it or the sky sure. is blue. Um, so no surprises that that idea, which had potential, was just utterly excruciating. It was like having a bowel movement watching that. But this is substantially better um, already. So I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm on board with. It. I mean, that just goes to show again. Like I often say, like it's rare you'll find me think of a, that like an out a concept for a show is out and out bad. But usually, it's the execution mm-hmm. that is either lacking or, well, something that should get the creators put on a watch list. <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of creators, uh, we're we're going to talk about the the main man behind the show uh in just a minute but quickly i just want to say that if the show like the concept of anime lord of the flies intrigues you but you want something uh, even science fiction anime lord of the flies intrigues you but you want something more straightforward that's less uh you know conceptual and uh you know dealing in like weird imagery and is is more uh i guess grounded for lack of a better word as grounded as a you know science fiction lord of the flies type thing can be 
Uh, I would recommend watching an anime called Infinite Rivius, uh, R-Y-V-I-U-S, or Mugen no Rivius. Uh, it, um, I, I liked it a lot. It's like a, like I think it's like an early 2000s anime, so the visuals may not hold up the best, but like I think the writing is still pretty good. And yeah, it's just uh, more anime Lord of the Flies, except on a, like a derelict spaceship uh, instead of, you know... Uh, instead of whatever the setting for this <laughs> for this is, the multiple universes or whatever <laughs> that's happening here. Um, okay, so uh, I did say we we're going to do creators, but actually, actually, uh, no, 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 let's do creators now, and then we'll do the summary after that. Um, so the person I want to talk about uh, is the director. <clears throat> Whoa, what happened there? <laughs> The director and the writer. I mean, if, if we want to um, go into a musical, why not? Now's a good time as any. <laughs> this is a weird second puberty happening here. Um, uh, uh, the, the director, the script writer, and uh, storyboarder of the first two episodes. Not every episode so far. Um, but of the show um, is Shingo Natsume. Um, this is a madhouse show as well. Um that's the studio that I, he doesn't just work out of that, but I think like his probably his most famous stuff has come from there. Um, so Shingo Natsume born in 1980 and he's originally from JC staff, but he worked at Gonzo and, uh, Shin Aidoga and became a freelancer later. Um, He's regarded as one of the promising talents of the industry, and he first gained attention for doing animation on Welcome to the NHK at Gonzo uh, after only being in the anime business for for four years. Um, One as an in-betweener, three as a key animator. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and this is a big thing about him is like, he's a director now, and I probably know for that, but like, he's a very talented animator. Um, so he also has worked on like Gurren Lagan in key animation. Um, and that caught Hiroyuki, uh, Imaishi's eye. Um, and he has directed like episodes of the Tatami Galaxy and, uh, Umi Monogatari. Um, that's where he kind of got his like he's like mm, this directing thing i kind of like this <laughs> uh and, he, and then he became the unit director for uh the full metal alchemist movie sacred star of milos and then uh do you remember the uh the little show called uh horimiya um, um no that we just that we just <laughs> you forgot about horimiya already well it's a love story about uh no so there was an ova for that show that came out a while ago before the, the team oh show. yeah that's and right that's right is one of uh you know natsume's like early things that he was the head director on but he really kind of broke out uh on uh space dandy directing episodes of that um he also helped out with the show running of that and he had some like general direction responsibilities in it you know that's a most people think about shinichiro watanabe when they think of that show but Natsume was also the showrunner for part of it. And his main claim to fame 
thing that you guys probably know him for is Welcome to the Spaceship. No, I'm kidding. It's it's um uh, the first season of One Punch Man. Uh, he directed that, uh, and as we all know, that is really amazing and fantastic. And I think part of that can be attributed, according to what I've read, uh, to all the connections Natsume has made over the years in the industry. He was able to bring in a lot of really talented people uh, to make that show a success. And now here he is. He's been given basically carte blanche by Madhouse to kind of do whatever he wants to do with this anime original thing, Sunny Boy. Uh, and like I said, he's he's writing the scripts, he's doing a ton of the storyboarding, and he's the showrunner. So there we go. This is uh, this is his baby, and uh, it, it, this is one of the the few shows that I can remember uh, in recent memory uh, where we could just be like the success or failure point to one person. <laughs> like obviously, this is a collaborative <laughs> project, and there are a ton of other people animating it, uh, doing storyboarding. There's the seiyu, all you know, all the different like component parts, but like Natsume really seems to have like the steering wheel. I mean, this. there's there's also Amazon choosing not to sue for like, you know, <laughs> having uh always basically their logo and their name. Uh, in this at various points. Um and I love that it I love that it wasn't just a stupid like uh this is our our Amazon, but it was like related. It was like a superpower one of the characters had. Yeah. Like she has, she could just use Amazon whenever to an extra dimensional Amazon. Very strange superpower now. I mean, I, I, you know, that's that's prime plus that. You what can they say? Just haven't released out to the wild yet. <laughs> I, I'll just add, by the way, on the creative front. I know this is not normally something that I um, talk about when it, um, or at least I don't usually get involved in the creative because it's not usually something I'm familiar with, but. I, I had the strangest sense watching this. I was like, where have I seen this animation style before? Where have I seen this, like, the way these characters design, the way they look, how they are drawn? Mm. And, I, and it clicks with me. It's a show that I was actually very harsh on, relatively speaking, when it came out. Um, but my opinion softened on it a little bit since then, if only because I probably wasn't approaching it on its own terms, which, if, funnily enough, is also how Elton you should say, No, get out. <laughs> No, um, which is also funny of how you should approach Sunny Boy, I would argue, which is just to come on its own terms. That show is one that Madhouse also did, if I recall correctly, and it's Aka oh, 13. Aka, yeah, he, so he directed that as well. Yeah, and the, uh, the, I, the, I forgot to the, say. The, the character oh. designs look, well, well, obviously, like the outfits and such are not the same given the diff- disparate settings. The general style and sensibility of Sunny Boy reminds me a lot of that. Like, it actually pops up in my brain. I was like, oh, that's that's neat. Especially some of the more pastel looks to certain um, settings. Like, a lot of this feels very painterly. Like, it's a very unique-looking show beyond the strange visuals. Like, I, I like that a lot. Um, so I will definitely give the show credit and nothing else for standing out on how it looks. And I think that it's like I've said before about other shows. Um, having a distinct animation style, even if it's one that seems relatively simplistic, like is in this case, can accentuate like a dreamlike or otherworldly state yeah. and that definitely is the case here so i think it works really well i wish i could borrow my wife's art brain for a moment because there's a word to describe what's happening you know especially with things like um like whenever uh oh man i said asakase the the kid with like the most marvel superpowers you can oh. fly around and 
use electricity whenever he lands in the water in the second episode and it parts like the way the water looks is incredible like i thought i was like is the word mosaic and that's not quite right but it's it's a kind of a, a it's a, some kind of classic like a style that i can't because it's not impressionist it's not a mosaic it's not like a particularly abstract although i guess you could call it that but anyway yeah, there's a lot of really cool touches uh, yeah. artistically. I mean, when uh, that the well that you said that contribute to like the dreamlike nature of the of the world and reinforce like the the setting. Like yeah. uh, whenever uh, that same kid was like, I don't know, warping reality in the first episode. Like, oh, you mean when he the, the mean, screen looked like cracked glass? You mean when he was conjuring the uh, Persona Five victory screen? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh, the, oh, the Devil May Cry victory screen. You... About to go to Tartarus. Now. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just still waiting for the melting clocks to turn up myself. But beyond that, <laughs> like the show looks really good. I can't, I can't hold it against uh, that against them. Like I say, Madhouse is a pretty good pedigree studio in terms of mm-hmm. their app. I can't speak for their actual creative practices or working conditions. I'm not really all that familiar, but I mean, they seem to have been relatively quiet lately as opposed to all the other studios I could mention, mm-hmm. including, of all people, Science Saru, who recently had put their foot in it. Oh no, I didn't hear about this. They, we'll they, we'll they, talk about this off the air. Oh, yeah, we'll not sidetrack yeah, it. I'll, I'll look it up. That's sad. That's sad. Well, t- t- you know, Madhouse doesn't have, a particular, doesn't have a clean record on this. I mean, no one's that I can recall anyway, like you know, died at their desk or anything. But like, mm-hmm. I think that they've underpaid people for a while. I don't think they have a lot of money. Um, so, uh, so that, that has happened. <laughs> I want to say they might've even filed for bankruptcy before. Uh, but, but that could be, I could be thinking of the wrong studio. Anyway, anime industry is broken. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of broken things. Oh boy. Shadon. Are you ready to summarize the first episodes of this anime? Doing this in two minutes. I mean, I've actually... My track record for summarizing thus far has actually been pretty solid. I reckon I can give this a pretty good go. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll get a prize. Maybe I'll get a sticker um, if I manage to do it under two minutes. But yes. (laughs) I'll I'll send you one over Discord. (laughs) I'll send you a sticker. Okay. Okay. We're going to go in uh, and... By the way, if you're joining us for the first time, we're giving Shadon two minutes, two minutes on the clock to summarize these first three episodes, just in case you're watching this a year from now and you have no idea what happened, you don't remember. Here we go, Shadon. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so a bunch of kids are transported to some sort of otherworldly, like, hell dimension where everything's black and empty and featureless just like country music you know it's just there's nothing there just a void <laughs> no, nothing there not a thing um and swiping country out of and game. so oh they're like various kids start like falling into a rules-based system where it turns out a lot of them have superpowers as well that are also inexplicably there um but yeah things are surprisingly not as anarchic as you might think like people still falling in line one girl wants to do exams and all that uh the two lead characters whose names i recall are from God, what was it again? Nozomi, Nozomi and Nagara. Uh-huh. Like, uh, they, yeah. like, after various points in which it turns out the rules-based system can break down, um, 
Nozomi actually turns out has the power to break out of this world into a new one, which leads them onto an island. Um, and that's basically episode one, very abridged there. Episode two, they're on the island and things keep staying on fire spontaneously. Um, like, we've either got an arsonist or there's some strange spontaneous combustion shit going on. Um, but there's another character named Nozomi who is the uh, Amazon uh, Prime user that we mentioned before, able to get free stuff. They believe it's her at fault because all her stuff keeps staying on fire. Um, but eventually they find out after actually talking to her and doing a little bit of investigation that you have to exchange things. Like you have to pay for stuff basically in this world else the stuff sets on fire. And so there's a reconciliation in the end between the characters Um and they have like a new economy set up with like this kid inventing his own NFTs or whatever it is. I don't know, his own crypto. Um, <laughs> episode three, kids are disappearing and turning into like black statues. Um, uh, Nozomi and Nagara now team up and actually start like discussing like things like capitalism, Litecoin backing and all this while investigating their absences. They find out all of them are recluses, but they're not really. They just kind of got disappeared by the rules of this new world that they're in, this next layer um, where if they are ignored by uh, the people... Um, around them then they disappear and it turns out also that janus joestar might be evil there you go okay (laughs) that's it i think i I, I think i think i did reasonably well there i give myself a six out of ten on that one Um, (laughs) fair enough you did better than i would have done i shit shit happens i don't know where to go yeah this is like stuff occurs just Blah. <laughs> things are happening it's like it's but, like it's like watching the cube after having a concussion <laughs> it is and that's that's very apt um okay so i think maybe the stuff that we didn't by the way i sent you the page of names just to reference because i definitely need it also. I, I don't i don't care what um, the star kid is called they're janus joe star to me that's it Wait a minute. Oh, you mean with the little star yeah. birthmark they're, they're or whatever? A, they're, oh, a Joe, they're a Joe Star. I don't care like what their actual name is. Janus Joe Star. That's their name to me. But he's but he's the bad guy. Are the Joe Star? The Joe Stars are good guys. Uh, well, one of them. Uh, well, Dio has you know Joe's body on it. Oh, sorry, Jonathan's body. Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah. guess that complicates things. Life is never simple, Shadon. No, it, it really it um, really isn't. <laughs> so uh, I guess now it would be a good time. That we that we've talked about Natsume and uh, had our little refresher on um, the summary. We're going to go straight to the patron questions and then hit uh, up our own discussion points that we don't discuss in answering the patrons' questions. So let me pull the questions up so I have them in front of me. Uh, okay, I've got them. Shadon, uh, will you do the honors of reading the questions? With pleasure. So, first batch of two comes from uh, Johnny Rackham. Uh, first of which goes, based on the characters with powers we've gotten to know best thus far, what correlations, if any, do you see between the characters and the powers they gained? For instance, are they random, or is there any rational or symbolic links? Um, my immediate answer to this is, I actually don't think that this is a like the way that this show is structured with terms of like these characters having their powers is that they have like they have powers because of their past behavior but rather it's now influencing their more current ones i would say um in part because we just don't know a lot about them i, I would argue um mm. but also i think that's probably more the intent of the show which is that it's more expressly interested in the effects rather than the cause of like their powers i mean there is certainly an investigation element that's happening in this show um <clears throat> But also, some of them are just rather random. I mean, there's literally a kid who has the ET power. 
so dumb. Yeah, he, he has a fi- he has a he has a finger that lights up. So yeah, it literally is the ET why, power. Why does he have that power? Which actually might be what? which actually might turn out to be more useful than you'd think if he also develops its like sequel, which is the ability to phone home, given their current situation. If only the school didn't have infinite power and uh, infinite water, he'd be useful. <laughs> yeah. But no. He, he's got a light up finger. Congratulations. So I don't think that as far as we've got so far that the characters like backstories and histories thus far like have led to them getting their powers the way they, they have. I think rather it's more a case of here's some random stuff. Um, well, not so random, hmm. I would say, because I think some of them have expressly got the powers they have also in turn to... Because, like, uh, for example, God, why have I, I'm, I, have a, I had a name on my notes, so I'm going to look it up again. Uh, Nozomi, that was it. It was on the tip of my tongue. Like, she seems like a rebellious sort already, and it is indeed her act of rebellion that breaks them out of the first layer. Um, but, of course, mm-hmm. having being rebellious and having the ability to do anything with that is a, are two different things, of course. Yeah, that's... I don't know if that's her rebellious nature is necessarily like her power. She says is compass. So she's the only one who can see the path home, like the true way home, sort of see it like twinkling far off in the sky. And everyone's just like, are you sure you can? She's like, yes, I can see it. Uh, I mean, maybe I guess, I mean, there are ways you could connect it to her, Uh, her being like off the beaten path person or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The the only, the only thing I'll note as well, um, with respect to the powers and who they go to is that um, Mizuo like part of what happens in episode 2 of her is her discussing with the assemblyman's daughter whose name I can't recall but you, she's the assemblyman's daughter that's her function, that's what defines her in the episode so it's fine um, about privilege, you're talking about Pony? yeah she, she's the, ta- the president or whatever? yeah she, she's talking about like priv- people who have privilege and all that and she suddenly ironically gained a lot like all of that through the fact that she has essentially access to unlimited amazon parcels she can get whatever she wants delivered she lives in a castle you know she's, yeah she's, she, she's good mm-hmm. she's all set so there is yeah there is a um you know a, like a, a contrast and an irony to that that she has spoke like she criticizes like her privilege as being a diet member's daughter but in turn has the ability to basically give people whatever they want um I did mention before in the summary about the whole fact that, you know, there needs to be an exchange in order to stop the stuff from staying on fire, but there is a get-out clause on that in that if the person in question just says, nah, it's yours for free, then as you'd expect, then it's absolutely right. fine. If there's like a, yeah, if there's like a willing, it's almost like if the person who's giving it gives it with like a willing spirit of yep. giving, uh, then because there was a bunch of shit that uh what's his face the the laboratory man uh rajdani uh got from her but he says he got it free of charge he didn't imply that he stole it or whatever that you know what i mean it's like she gave it to him but i guess there wasn't that extra like feeling on her part oh. you know what i mean oh potentially it could be that because her mood soured towards the other kids over time so how they were treating her it was kind of a downward spiral where like oh you slandered, sure. you slandered me and like that and I gave you my stuff and now I hate you and then suddenly that goodwill evaporates so maybe it's not a one and done thing. But do you remember when he gave Nozomi the the Mario three raccoon leaf block? Yes, like he gave it to her, 
it, it didn't really seem like he wanted anything in return, but it also caught on blue fire. It wasn't explicit, I suppose, like the... Um... Or maybe he was deliberately... Yeah. Or maybe because he was hypothesizing experiments, he was... I see. Yeah. Yeah. He really didn't I, really want to give it yeah. to Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to give you the Tanuki suit and all that and nearly set you on fire, but it's all in the name of science and exploration and progress. I assure you. Um, like, yes. I, I, I think overall, like, arguments could be mm-hmm. made for saying that there are, like, little things here and there that link the characters' mm-hmm. per, like personalities as we understand them at the moment to uh the powers they gave but i wouldn't call it like significant i think again what's more the show's more interested in is the effects and what they do with them after the facts that's more important right right it, at the very least it seems like less than legible like any mm. kind of links because and i thought i thought the easiest one to talk about might be cap but like it seems like the only sort of like power that we saw him exhibit in the first iteration of this world uh when they're just in the school it seems like that was more a function of the world than him. it was because he he couldn't do it to um asakaze it turned in uh, it turned in on himself in the end <laughs> he's, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah he suffered the penalty to you know get out his cap yes. and show it to everyone <laughs> unfortunately that's right yes yes good oh but that, yeah. that in itself, well, that in itself, which will be part of something I'll talk about later, is also about the idea of how rules and power are ephemeral, and they can just as easily disappear from underneath you without even realizing, and even turn back on you. Um, it's a lesson about structures and social standing and all. I that. know, and, yeah, and yeah. and how we obey the rule of law and all that. In the you know, totally. like just because laws are written down doesn't mean people obey them. And there is, I don't even know how you describe it. Like, I think it is literally just the rule of law, like and how committed people are to it as a force, mm-hmm. you know? And then eventually they yeah. weren't, they didn't believe in anymore. So um, hence yeah. coach's power or cap's power rather uh-huh. turned in on itself. Yeah. The show is very political in this way. Right. I mean, well, it has, they... the, cap- it has the capitalism word in it, you know? And it, it's true and it's, it's not true. and it's not appearing on a book written on the front of a book written by k marx so that clearly it's a... <laughs> yeah well and by that i don't necessarily even mean it's like woke or whatever but it's just interested oh, in, I, I would even it, use it seems to be interested in political ideas like classic ones you know mm. about power and coercion and the rule of law like you said and the state's function and uh-huh. you know collaborative societies versus like top down like you know ruling like other uh, you know uh labor theory of value like economy like all that stuff is like just emerges from nothing in this world and mm-hmm. you know this is the advantage of a thought experiment like this because you can see like it's really easy to like trace the roots of things like that to like like why did the economy come about well in this world for this reason and this reason and this reason okay is there any? Is there are there conclusions we can draw from that? You know, I think that stuff is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, do you have anything else to add that question, Doc? Or should we uh, move on to the next? Oh one? yeah, no. Um, that's right. I forgot we were answering a Patreon question. Um, I think I don't want to say that they're random, right? I don't want to like because that seems like a bridge too far. Mm. at this point it's but i don't also i feel like there's no conclusion that i could draw from it i mean because for a while i thought i thought okay there are definitely personality 
like these are like manifestations of something going on in their life because you know i don't know i was i guess i was thinking that mizuho was like rich uh you know and that's why she like appeared in the magic kingdom and that's why she has cats that can bring her anything but i don't really know if that's true you know you brought up an interesting point about her kind of complaining to pony about using uh you know clout of the privileged class using their clout to get what they wanted that would seem very hypocritical of her but but she's also kind of a hypocritical character so it's not out of the bounds of possibility you know because she's always like getting really mad at nagara for running away from his problems when it seems like that she she likes to do that as well as evidence in episode two uh, mm-hmm. rather than face up to everyone uh, and tell them to fuck off. You know, she would just rather avoid uh, avoid going through the hassle. So I don't know. I It's hard to say, Rackham. I think it's hard to find hard evidence uh, to go any sort of way. Maybe there's writing out there that has come up with a good theory of this, but I just haven't read it yet. Yeah, I, th- I think... Ultimately, though, like whether or not, um, like there is a cr- cl- link to that or not, if if there is, then the show needs to probably start delving a bit more into backstory. Because again, this is why I was talking about cause versus effect here. Um, right. Because if it makes explicit that their personalities are linked to that in that some way, then we're probably going to need more scenes of like like what happened with um, <clears throat> God again. Sunburn brain not working. Mizuo, it's thank okay. you. Mizuo, like yeah. uh, with how like you know she interacted with the teacher who then disappeared. Um, you know, like that little more time right, like that. Yeah. I think is going is to be necessary to justify having that link in there. Because as I think part of also the appeal of of this kind of concepts is like they're a bunch of everybody's basically. There's you know the student council president, all the other various people. You know, all the randos. We've got the 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 cap. You know, we've got like the the nondescript like male protagonist who seems ultra generic, but that's fine in this context because he is an everyman. You know, like we've got all these various kids who are just fairly plain and ordinary, and they have uh, like l- been plucked out of like our reality and into this otherworldly dimension where nothing makes a lick of sense. And taking these like fairly ordinary people and scattering them to the winds in this kind of environment is a challenge for them. And that's the basis of those stories I mentioned before, like Lord of the Flies, or even if I was to bring up a more, well, I won't call it an anime comparison, but a video game comparison, of course, like even the, the horrifying angelic howl part from uh, Fruits of Grisaia, which I know you, I was talking to you oh. ages ago, uh, and it's, oh. but that's a similar idea in that it's a bunch of like fairly ordinary people thrown into a yeah. terrible situation and how they react to it. And so mm-hmm. I think in some way, having more specificity about their backstory like who these people are actually could make the show less interesting as a result because i think that it, you can find some appeal there in that it could happen to anyone and how do hmm. these like various like people like react to this like i'll get into it in my talking point later but one thing i also want to mention is that in some way like you know when they got plucked into this other world all of the existing structures that they had really don't apply anymore you know yep. the government isn't mm-hmm. there anymore for example if you want to pick one thing out from there um time doesn't like you know they're not even seeing like you know things happening like because time keeps looping in a sense that they of course progress in a linear fashion but what's happening in the real mm. world like keeps resetting by a day 
So it's Groundhog Day in terms of like what they see on their phones as far as like the news is concerned. Um, and do these structures even apply anymore? Like the student council president isn't voted in to be the person leading the group, even though one would argue, and indeed the show, the characters in the show make this argument, that would seem to be the most sensible thing in the in the Japanese school system from Stu. If they were in a situation like this, bizarre as it sounds, which is we already have an established voted leader, let them do it. But it turns out, no, the answer is no, that's not the case. But does this being a council president count for anything now? You know, does that even matter in now that this basically like factory reset has happened in a sense? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go into that in more detail because that's where I think mm-hmm. this show is actually kind of brilliantly subversive. Uh, as far as its core concept goes um but that's also why i'm arguing in the end that i don't think their backstory should be delved in too deeply because i think yeah. having it be more everyman like who do have like these couple of attributes and defined roles uh, i think that works then in theory you could try and say hey if they're in take the same group of characters and put them in a different scenario and see how they play out differently what i think is the show's characters for lack of a better phrase is actually more the environments they're in and what they react to that the external like stimuli um the rules Mm. that they have to play against um that kind of thing yeah yeah it's funny like (laughs) what what uh what happens when i guess the people don't find the source of uh government power uh legitimate (laughs) that you Mm. have uh, Akaza, oh, I can't remember. Why can I not pronounce the man's name? Asakaze and how he acts in the first episode. But it's it's interesting how that how that kind of changes in some ways. Uh, that will be interesting to think about. I think yeah. um, why he why he rebels so much against this one kind of setup, right? The student council uh, strict rules or whatever, and then. There still seems to be like the the I don't know. It, I guess it's more collaborative uh, in episode two, and he's like seems like way more chill and actually willing to help out the group. But the the last thing I'll say before we move on to the next question, this is a random thought, but I just wanted to say it is that uh, the show made me think that it made me remember, I guess, that how important setting is mm. because in episode one, you know when. I'm learning about the premise. I'm thinking, man, this is, uh, you know, a little Danganronpa-ish. <laughs> Why? Because they're at the school. You know, it's Danganronpa, you know, is a more of a murder mystery thing, but it is very much kids trapped in a school and there's a bunch of weird rules imposed on them from without. I'm like, okay, uh, it's, it's going for that kind of thing. Uh, but then when they go to an island, it's Lord of the Flies, isn't it? why because lord of the flies takes place on an island so it's it is interesting how the setting can i guess influence uh what we compare a show to and how we think about it mm-hmm. i mean i'm just waiting to set up on a space station and running around in like you know these really multicolored suits and stabbing each other I mean, if you what think it- if you think that joke is actually a bit out of place on this one i'll point out that the another feature of this is that if they get injured they heal over the course of a day so essentially, you could treat every single day as a new round. I'm telling, I'm yes. telling you, it's a video game. It's battle royale, man. So, <laughs> some, some, someone's getting shoved out of that airlock. I'm telling you now, and it's probably gonna be, it's probably gonna be Janus Joe Sarahoshi who pushes them out. Uh, yes, let's hope so. <laughs> All right, next. 
Next, indeed. Uh, so, next question from Rackham is, based on his power and the final scene of him using it in episode 3, do you think Hoshi, aka Starboy, or, I'll say it last time, Mr. Joe Star, uh, could end up presenting or introducing a religious element or authority into the show the same way it has depicted or introduced the idea of government and capitalism in this world? The mm. uh, yes, I mean... Apart from the fact that um, the, the the religious element could very well end up being the uh, what were they called in Berserk again? The chosen ones, because it is an eclipse after all that we see. The God hand. Yeah, it could be the God hand. I mean, we saw the eclipse in in the end of this. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me it's not possible. Man, don't. It better not be that. It better nah. not be some <laughs> beat for beat <laughs> eclipse episode or whatever. No, I'd, I'd love it if it was just like a joke where. Um, Nagara just like opens up a door like as he's going through all these portals of course in episode 3 and he just sees the god hand there chilling around a poker table and he just quietly closes again without nope. comment <laughs> nope no thanks yeah not dealing with that um it's the grandpa simpsons gif just I, I pick would, the hat back up and get out of there i, I would say it's certainly possible i mean the, the idea of savior like see has religious connotations to it depending on how you read it um, oh man yeah the god i didn't even think about this the, the eclipse as well like you know that sometimes mm-hmm. is seen as a religious event um, totally and i think that i would be interested to see how that pans out yeah um wow. because again while dancing around my talking point here one of the things that sunny boy has shown uh, in its episodes thus far is that even though we've had this kind of factory reset people are still settling into clicks like they're selling into like you know schemas of rules and expectations and demands and societal pressures and all that and therefore it would only be natural for one of those offshoots of this reset to zero but this inward like you know desire to fall back into this kind of order based system for a religion to come about because religions um from my perspective as a non-religious like godless heathen are that you know they have historically been created in some sense to oppose order on chaos now whether or not that chaos is something that is, you know, morally or ethically demands the order that religions place on it is up for debate on a per religion, per moment, etc. I'm speaking in very broad strokes here. But nonetheless, I think that's how I see them. And I could certainly see that spinning out from here. But I have a feeling, though, that if Hoshi were to do that, he would do that just merely as a kind of Grima worm tongue whispering in your ear thing to someone like, maybe you should start a cult. Grima worm tongue. Start a cult. <laughs> do it. Be fun. You laugh. Oh, uh, slap a sakase. <laughs> Just God. do it. Um, wow. So this question is interesting because Rackham says the final scene of him using it. Um, now what he could mean there is just passively, like using it to hear the the voice that is someone else speaking to him or it could mean like he like somehow like Hoshi is generating the voice which I feel like I don't know which one do you do you think he's hearing something else or do you think that's his own voice I, I feel it'd be a bit silly for him to be making his own voice like in his own head unless you're talking like split personality perhaps maybe um yeah but i i, well, I don't know mm-hmm. um i well, mean there's it, one here's the main reason i'm asking because like so in episode three it's very clear like 
at least it seems clear that he's like he's hearing it uh but there's a scene in episode one in which he's talking to someone else i don't remember who it is and like it doesn't show him talking but it shows the other person's face and you're meant to think by the way it's cut this is hoshi talking but it's the same voice that shows up again in episode three that really deep voice it's clearly not his and it's like that's inserted into the conversation and i can't i haven't analyzed the conversation closely enough to to where it like it's ambiguous like what whether or not it's ambiguous like everyone else heard it or just how she's hearing or what we're supposed to think but it's like it just is inserted into the scene and it's really hard to like you know i don't know maybe it's supposed to be disorienting and then episode three is like here's what's really going on i don't well, we'll, you know, hell we'll, we'll find out. Um, but I, I would like to see how it handles if they're like, you know, a religion does pop up. It can be a, a one episode thing or even maybe a two episode thing where it does then die out. But we get to see its impact on the um, be great. on the kids, you know, for example. Because after a while, you know, um, when I can't remember his name, he was the uh, he was the kid who actually figured everything out, came with his own crypto you know, invented the killer cloud of mouth space dogs. You right. Know. I don't know how to, but yeah, it's... Um uh rajani 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 uh, yeah rajani uh, like you know they maybe they eventually get tired of him being the man of science the man of reason and logic um because his explanations right. don't ultimately you know get them home and so mm-hmm. in the absent you know when science fails and if you feel so inclined what is your alternative to fall back onto faith where you know where where, no. where where science and reason cannot save you sometimes you know like you will call for a yeah. higher power right right it can can whip up a mob into a frenzy that mm-hmm. that whole thing i mean uh, yeah so i didn't even think about this as an angle but like i'm really excited about it now Rackham. i hope it comes to pass because from what i've seen thus far sunny boy uh seems like pretty well equipped to like in in the span of a single episode ask and provide some commentary on really classic political theoretical questions like religion's role in society and uh religion's place as something that like governs people versus like a private sort of thing you know uh i would be really excited to see it i mean i think if it does choose to tackle it it will almost certainly do a better job than brand new animal did <laughs> well that's not difficult <laughs> that's not difficult man the, the, that was the, i was really hoping for some good stuff with like cults and shit but it's not to be i mean I, the only thing i can say about cults with respect to dna is it feels like it was written by one. Oh, a cult anime um okay next one please certainly uh so our next uh batch of questions comes from riku uh, R-E underscore Oi. K-U not Riku as in Riku from Final Fantasy X no <laughs> different spelling mm-hmm. What's shout, shouts to, to Riku for asking questions I believe they're a, a first time question yeah uh, so thank you very much Riku for joining us in this um, mm-hmm. so first one is Sunny Boy is quite heavy on allegory and clarity on the hows and whys of its events take um, takes a back seat by comparison do you think it will, or do you want it to, end up explaining the me- mechanics and physics of its fantastical elements? 
I think this is an in- this is an interesting one because I think there's inevitably a tension in a lot of stories like this between like explaining like how things work and being ambiguous because mm-hmm. the problem is that being overly mechanistic we saw this with one dragon how that actually even before mm. its ill-fated finale like where it explained things arguably too much to the point where it was clear like certain things hadn't been thought out like how it reflected on a uh, momoe for example like you know and uh, uh, and oh i can't remember the name of her wonder egg uh the the trans girl but you oh, know you, right. you, 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 yeah you re- no i know who you mean yeah I know who you mean. yeah and how in theory the um how in theory you know the mechanics of that like invalidated their identity as a woman uh which was a bad thing that like you know even if that was the intent by the writers or not, that is a bad thing as far as I'm concerned for the text of that work. But we've discussed that elsewhere, so I'll not belabor the point here. But rather, I'm using that to illustrate that there are pitfalls in overly explaining your mechanics of your story. Um, but the show has already dipped its toes in doing that by virtue of Rajani mm-hmm. um, being the man of science. And indeed, that is the entire crux, or one of the cruxes of episode two, where people fall into suspicion and distrust rather than rational, you know, um, thinking and, you know, puzzling things out, finding out, you know, well, actually, is uh, is she responsible for, you know, burning the island? Uh, is she just being spiteful to us? You know, is Mizuo, like, you know, just being a fire starter, wicked fire starter, you know? Uh, is she doing that? So it's already dipped its toes a little bit into that, but that's a different from the show itself uh, going into explanations. You know, this is an in-character thing doing that, as opposed to the show being didactic or being overly expository. Um, I personally think that if this show were to want to strike a certain ratio of explanation versus ambiguity, it should aim, in my opinion, for being more ambiguous and focusing more on what its various, like, worlds, settings rules uh and characters powers of course do like i think to to boil it down i suppose um asakaze like you know the chap who can fly uh, i'm mm. more interested in what he does with the ability to fly rather than knowing how he does it and yeah. if we get to the end of this show and there is no explanation really given for how they end up here at all or if the explanation is just simply i did this ha ha um mm-hmm. say like you know it turns out oh she is actually the devil or something like that i'm i'm okay. i'm perfectly <laughs> i mean yeah could, that, could, that could happen yeah. um sure i could see it yeah um i'm more interested in in the least in never this trust case anyone who smiles so much ne- never trust anyone in who- an anime Never trust anyone who has the Joe Star tattoo but doesn't actually is, but, it, but, but 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 is but isn't actually a Jojo. <laughs> unless unless there's a strange way of pronouncing Hoshi along with what the saying is to make it like Jotaro Kujo. No, sorry, not even Kujo, like a uh, Gio- say Giano, but you know my you get my point. So mm-hmm. I think that for me, I am more of the opinion that it should be ambiguous to a point. Not completely opaque, of course. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I do want to know like how it happened in the sense of like the event that triggered it, but not the mechanics behind it so much. And I'm much more interested in... Where are in, they spatio-temporally? Yeah. yeah. And, I, <laughs> yes. and I am much more interested in the um, in the effects rather than the cause. Because I think mm-hmm. that's what the show is leaning towards. And I'll be fair, like, thus far, like, even though, like, you know, Rajani has obviously got into, ex- like, has been poring over, like, notes of what look like just, like, 
parallel worlds, stuff like he's drawn diagrams. Uh, he's got a complete map on his screen of like all the various portals and all that. Um, mm-hmm. The show has been relatively light on explanations and exposition, which has been uh, good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that in turn serves it as a mystery show as well, because that's part of the this show's appeal. It is a puzzle that we solve along the way. But it's not necessarily a puzzle yeah. of where we have to understand everything, but rather just how do they get home? What do they have to do? Uh, and indeed, that's part of the appeal of, like, say, episode two. We're like, what is causing the burning? You're asking the question if Mizo is co- is causing it in the same way as the rest of them are, as the rest of the characters are. You might not have yeah. the same, like, you know, vested, oh my god, all my stuff's burning, like, you know, motivation to find out. But it is nonetheless an intriguing thing for you to think about. Totally. Um, I I think I always like err on the side of like well, what I care about most is like what the show is trying to say about you know people, the human condition, the world, um, and you know if it's like consistent uh, to a point anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. that's that's also a flexible notion if it's consistent with its own internal logic i mean i think that you know explanations like grand explanations for the hows and whys of mm-hmm. everything that's going on are sort of superfluous like yeah i would i would rather not like yeah waste time on you know a lot of that specific yeah. stuff i mean there's a way in which explaining it in a certain kind of manner could add to all that stuff could add to the the themes of the story could add to um you know the the mood and the political commentary and stuff but explanation for explanation's sake like guys we really did think of how this could happen and let me tell you black holes not really interested in that so much right i mean Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I I oh shoot, I was I thought of something to say, but it went away. So yeah, um, I don't really want it to, um, and I don't. It doesn't really seem like it will. Uh, at this point, at least not in the bad way, um, mm-hmm. not not in the like, you know, we figured this out. Oh, and I should I should note, I don't mind if. The author of the show, Shingo Natsume, has worked all that shit out, and there is an explanation for it, scientifically or pseudo-scientifically. I'm good with that. That can exist. But, like, shoving that onto, onto us, I think, would not necessarily be in the story's best interest. Again, if it's done just for the sake of having an explanation. Yeah. Because, like, leaving things so open um is i don't know it's just fun like it adds to your participation as a reader of the text like you're constructing theories and you're making connections and everything and um and that can be a really valuable experience when engaging with media that stuff you're talking about there like i know where it's rightful places and it's on a wikipedia page so i'm cool with that (laughs) too i'm cool with that too all right uh do you have anything else to add to that question doc nope Okay, next up uh, from Riku is, uh, what do you think the almost complete lack of music is doing? Why the choice? How does this contribute to the anime's themes or exploration? Well, the first, I think 
something to note, and this is something that a YouTuber Tanskrul has uh, brought up in the past, particularly in relation to reality TV, is that music quite definitively can be used to set mood or inform emotional response. Uh, but like you'll see, for example, differences in the music utilization as as on Tanskrul's um, video between reality TV shows in America and the UK even though they are the exact same show, like Gordon Ramsay's show, where they'll always have, like, those shocking musical, like, tension-building moments before Ramsay, like, lets rip with his usual profanity, whereas the music in the UK is less, um, how prescriptive, like, where it's not, it's not basically telling you how to feel. It allows you to be more intelligent. Yeah. I'm basically saying that your TV is inferior to ours. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but. Point That's being, it. point being is I think that that actually serves again to help with the ambiguity here. Um, because yeah. if, you know, like, if, like, say you had that scene with, like, uh, Mizuo, like, you know, with her cats, and there's just sinister music playing over it, then that leads us to think, or rather infers us to think, oh, mm. she's she's mm-hmm. at fault for the blue fire. But, right. and conversely, you could have, like, much more relaxed music, which in turn would suggest she's not. It can inform mm-hmm. mood. So I think leaving music out of this is probably a wise idea for the most part. I'm not saying that it can't be done in this kind of show, but um, not being a like great music guy myself, if that's the technical term. Um, <laughs> that is great music guy. Yes. Or no. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like if that's, um, I, I don't really know myself how it could be done, but I think thus far I'm in agreement that, um, or rather of the opinion that's, not having music in is probably for the best for maintaining the um, maintaining the mood in that we're just soaking in the environment. We're soaking in what little noise there is, like the waves, for example. We're not mm-hmm. being told how to feel. We're being left to interpret it on our own. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if things like, if actual events start escalating later on, um, you know, there start, starts to become like, say, cult stuff of outright violence mm-hmm. between people or there's a climax like there's time and a place for music i think and if there was just then like completely absent i'd be like mm, could probably use something a little spicy up but sometimes i think that it, it works in this case where it's just not there because it leaves it more to our interpretations to what's going on and just allows us to feel more like we're there with the characters to soak in the environment as presented rather than having background noise to accompany it if you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I think that's an astute point that the context of the show merits this choice. And the only other thing I'll say is that um, uh, it's it's my time to talk about Dark Souls again. Oh, gosh. Because, <laughs> like, it does this really awesome thing of having no music whatsoever when you're, like, out and about and exploring Music only kicks in when you see that health bar on the bottom of the screen and it's a boss. And then mm-hmm. you remember that music. And not only is it like the piece memorable to you, but like in that moment, the emotional intensity you're feeling like goes up. You know, you mm-hmm. start sweating a little bit. You grip the controller a little bit more hard because like, yeah. And uh, not an unrelated point from what you're saying about the mood, just like having having a, a such a kind of sparse use of music just makes the times that they do use it hit that much harder and feel that much more special absolutely um and this is the point where i cite an anime example that i never thought i would uh but i often try to operate in you know credit where it's due let's talk about shield Mm -hmm. hero for a moment 
Yeah, I'm really going there. Must we? We No, seriously, right? This is a music-related thing, so just trust me on this. So there's a scene about two-thirds of the way through the show in which, um, without really going into great big dreams of context or spoilers, I mean, you can no more spoil Shield Hero than you can spoil a bucket of like mystery meat, to be honest, but that's a different point. Um, there is like this giant orbital death laser that's about to hit like Daofumi and his gang. Um, but in the build up to that, um, like he he like basically like they're riding through the countryside. And he says like stop, and they're just looking around, and all you can really hear is like the noise of the countryside. There's no like tense music. There's nothing, hmm. but you still feel tense because of the absence of it. And, like something bad hmm. is about to happen, and what happens is pretty bad. Um, I mean, it's a orbital death laser basically, <laughs> and. Just to point out as well, that show, like, again, for all of its terribleness, uh, it was scored by, uh, was it Kevin Penkin, who also did Made in Abyss, if I recall correctly? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, That's say, true. and hey, that that was the only good bit of that show, to be quite, well, okay, there were one or two other decent-ish moments Wait a in isolation. Do you mean... Do you mean Shield Hero or yeah. Made in Abyss? Yeah, okay. no, that's, no, the same. <laughs> You're like, that was the only good part of Made in Abyss, and I was about to be like... We, all right. No, I'm no, no, no. I'm getting no, on no, a no. plane right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but I mean, so if, if, you know, if there was to be a tense sound background track for that, I mean, they had someone doing the score on it who absolutely could have delivered on that. But wisely, for what, again, what it's mm-hmm. worth, given the content, it was like, no, this is a re- something really bad is about to happen. And rather than having like a, or whatever, you know, it's just like complete silence, noise of the countryside, and then mm-hmm. death laser. And it's a good moment. Like I, I shouted that out yeah. in the essay I did on it. Like as actually a legitimately good moment for that show. But again, goes to point out that sometimes, like not using any music at all, is just as effective as actually putting a piece of original score in. See, I can be nice to shows that are otherwise terrible if they have things that are credit worthy. Don't say I'm not being fair. <laughs> Somebody left you a really good uh, YouTube comment on on that one. Uh, I like your face. Of- even though uh, I don't, I was your face was not in that video. Your face was not in that video. <laughs> and that's why I say they said uh, it, just because they thought they'd be complimentary <laughs> to me about that. Uh, I don't even. It was a really. It was a long one, but basically, it was like, "Yes, you're correct," and I'll tell you why. I also think Shield Hero is bad. Here's a, some paragraphs. So shouts to that person. Um, okay, it's always good to find uh, sane people in the wild. I know. Yes. Thank you, Riku. I'd say your first question submission batch. A plus mm. plus. Excellent work. Indeed. Thank you very much. Um, so we have another question. This one's actually from Yukinon, who's asking on Riku's behalf, because uh, we normally have a two question limit, but um Yukinon wisely uh, oh. creatively <laughs> c- creatively inserted the rules in a way that I absolutely approve of. Um, this, this is like the the show, like yeah, and uh, the in weird, arbitrary, and universe rules. It's it's fair, it's fair. Um, so the one question we have here uh, um, from you, Kidal and Riku's behalf is: Is Sunny Boy saying that the inevitable or oppressive, sorry, the oppressive slash inequitable structures of society will always be reduced by those that are products of them, even in a vacuum? If yes, is it saying that there's no hope for change? And as a follow up. How might Nozomi and Nagara's powers, direction, and travel be challenging this? Are they representing something allegorically? So I suppose now's a good time as any for me to Ooh. drop my big talking point. Um, All right. Because this actually pretty much will address this. So I have a question for you, Doc. In stories like Lord of the Flies or other similar ones where um, 
you know, characters, relatively normal people are whisked away to a unknown scenario. Um, what mm-hmm. generally speaking... So is- isekais sorry? is what you're saying. Isekais? <laughs> well, I mean, they're disastrous, but they're usually just for the audience. So anyway. Um, but what happens in these stories to the characters, like if they're stranded on an island, for example, what tends to happen to these groups of people? <laughs> usually they're like, at some point... Uh, they descend into chaos. And yes. Murder each other. Yes, that's correct. Um, that tends to be the standard for these kind of stories. But Sonny Boy actually argues, <laughs> curiously, the opposite. In that, uh, granted, part of this is because they don't really have a supply issue of food and such. But rather, what we see in this story is it's not a descent into chaos, but rather a descent of excessive order in a way that Mm. almost feels um authoritarian at times a little bit um and again that's because of the absence of like tension over like you know food supplies and all that but it still seems to be a case where you know excessive rule uh creation and adherence is uh is a thing that's the thesis of episode one after all indeed how it ultimately ends up undoing itself you know we created these rules and ultimately we became bound by them um but I want to know also various little moments in episode one that back this up. Um, Nozomi doesn't have a smartphone and they insist on giving her one so she could be part of group conversations, but she has no desire to be part of that. She also then, of course, questions Cap's like, you know, power or what they believe mm-hmm. to be his power saying, is that really your power? You know, that kind of thing. When it turns out it's not, it's a power invested in him by this state government body whatever you want to call it and then whatever it, yeah this yeah. is just like the fabric of reality for yeah. all they know yeah and and one of the other girls i can't remember her name but she mentions as an aside i have exams when i get back so i'm going to study and mm. beyond i mean what how she comes to that certainty of coming back is up for debate but how how odd and how interesting it is that that holds such power over her, that even despite being in this situation where there is no immediate suggestion they will ever get back, or if they indeed they do come back, they'll come back literally as they... you know, I mean, they are fundamentally changed as a result of this event happening, even if they literally slip back the second they left, you know, and there was no mm-hmm. breaking continuity, that she still feels compelled uh, to, like, consider that rather than more immediate concerns. Um this reminds me a little bit of what I said about what was what I thought was going to be an interesting element of Diana Zenon, but it did do that, and I'm not going to drag on Diana Zenon because I had plenty of else going on. Where <laughs> um, oh, blue head boy, Yomogi, that was it. Uh, where he <laughs> yes. he feels compelled to go to work rather than you know get help with Diana Zenon fighting the kaiju, even though one is clearly much more desperate than the other. But like work has this kind of elastic bungee cord thing to it and similarly here with the exams so what i find really subversive and interesting about sunny boy the thing i mentioned before is the fact that it argues the opposite outcome to what you'd expect from these kinds of stories in the rather than a descent into chaos it's a descent and i'm not saying ascent here as an opposite i'm saying a descent because it is a decline into order excessive order at that um, mm-hmm. And the issue at the end of episode one, uh, that being, you know, the fact the school is being devoured by darkness still, and who knows what happens when that comes about, um, it is resolved through chaos and a little bit of anarchy. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking just about the fact that the kids basically, like, you know, 
don't believe in the rule of law anymore and that deprives cap of his power to like put penalties yeah. on where you know yeah. where where that happens but i'm literally talking about the fact that um like as um yuki and riku rightly mentioned about uh you know um nagara's and uh, nozomi's powers about like you know direction and travel that well what proof do they have that this will work she's jumping into the black void it is an act of rebellion it could very well be her death and and as it turns out and there's a the moment where he tries to stop her um but in the end like you know the the fence that he holds on gives way um so it's only again through like that like even when he tries to bring her back like she still breaks free from the because the rules based system here i mean Again, there's no evidence that the voids will necessarily kill him, but I think that if I were to literally look into a black abyss from my house, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily go jumping in it. Let's put it that way, you know? But (laughs) that act of rebellion takes them to the next stage. So it actually... Mm -hmm. So even though this is a story about a bunch of characters, uh, regular, everyday people, school kids for that matter, you know, being transported with, like, a situation, like, you know, where they're taken away from society... You know, it doesn't descend into the Shugenics shit that I mentioned from Guilty Crown or anything of its ilk. You know, it actually argues the opposite, but it doesn't then paint that as a good thing in turn. Going into excessive rules and excessive adherence to rules um, is no better in its own way. Granted, they're not killing each other or anything like that. And there is, of course, the facts that they do have, you know, like an unlimited supply of food and such. But, that, of course, there is still the fact that they need to solve this just for the sake of their sanity more than anything <laughs> but still it makes the argument that there is a place for chaos and anarchy and rebellion in these kinds of stories i think that's actually pretty genius i like that a lot hmm. um so to answer riku's question like if it i mean there's also going to be mentioned in a little bit i'll we'll talk about episode two as well um i still however think that you know like that's certainly a fascinating start for this show in that it doesn't say that it's going to go the way of Law of the Flies, but rather the opposite, but that's still not a good thing. Um, it's interesting, you know, talking about Nozomi's leap of faith. Like, it's interesting that in a show that is seemingly, like, just has so much to say about um, systems and organizations, um that this individual act like totally changed their society like completely because it looks so different on the island than it did in the school like there was a tremendous amount of discord uh and things were really breaking down uh in in the school like uh cap was you know illegitimately using force uh you know, given to him by vote and consensus, but like at, at an earlier period, like the people were starting to question the legitimacy of, of the power and it was really all going to hell. And then, like you said, almost a chaotic kind of action, like an individual actor based on like her own individual will and impulses Yeah, took that leap and like, flip the chessboard and now on this island everyone seems to be more close they have problems to be sure but like there seems to be much more uh collaboration and not a lot of like kicking against some sort of order that was imposed on them that people think is illegitimate 
Yeah. I mean, just to go back to Nozomi for a second, like, what is actually the big deal about her having a smartphone? They wanted to be part of the group chat. They wanted to be like, you know... Control. Yes, exactly. To constantly be receiving messages. It's basically the equivalent of, like, you know, how some governments have said, hey, we're going to put a, you know... We're going to test this messaging system. It's for emergency purposes only, but people were rightly like, no, we don't want any of this shit. Like, it's open to abuse, basically. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, like, starving. Indeed, this is one of the arguments that the show makes for the fact that, you know, food and such are not really a concern. um, Because there is no real, like, pressure on her to be controlled in that way. Um and indeed, there's a little bit of that actually in a, in episode two as well with um, Agaro noticing like, hey, like one of the other characters is like, why are those lot going surfing while we're building a fucking beach or something? But yeah, um, but yeah, um, there's that. And then I suppose we should also address the idea of capitalism. <laughs> Let's talk about our favorite, you know, like oh, civilizational structure. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay, we could do that. Um, yeah, go ahead. I I will. <laughs> so. So basically, this again is another way in which the show makes good use of what otherwise would seem to be an impediment for these stories, which is there is not a supply issue. We have food, we have water, we're good. The only actual threat that... uh, And energy. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. The only actual threat that happens in episode two um, is that the island could potentially burn down. Um, Like, it's a... the, The scarce... The only scarcity there is, is of land. And of course, if the old place burns down, then they're done for. But otherwise, they're fine as far as... And in theory, they could also just retreat back to the school, I suppose. I mean, that's not an immediately said to be yeah. impossible. But Yeah, any- they, they can go back, and uh, they definitely can. And Raj also... they This was a nugget that was dropped very early, and they haven't come back to yet. But this could be a possible future threat, Shadon, as Raj observed, like, is the school sinking? Yep. Because like well, he looked out to the foundations and were like, were those ever that shallow before? You know what I mean? So there's some question of, as to like, is, is there some kind of time limit that they're working with? Yeah. And so, n- like, Nozomi, like she, uh, sorry, not Nozomi, um, Mizuho, <clears throat> Mizu, sorry, yes. So Mizuho, though, like she has the power to basically get whatever she wants supply. She has a castle. It is literally yes. the Magic Kingdom. She is Disney. There we go. There's the there's the thing. Um, but rather, like it, I think what it reveal like it reveals is actually kind of interesting because it turns out all along the obvious answer is well, just give people stuff and just explicitly say that. Like that's mm-hmm. not a big deal for like coping with the rules of this world. I mean, we have one character who steals something and then it just kind of burns up later and all that. But again, it, it seems to be triggered more at the moment of realization when that thing has been taken or no longer should belong to them when they originally side with them. Um, but um, then, of course, they have the introduction of uh, what is not Dogecoin, whatever it's called, basically. Uh, uh, let me find it. Um, keep talking and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll find it. They, they have the introduction of this, like, you know... Hyoryu uh, well, coin. That's the one, yeah. They have the introduction of that, of that currency as a means of like facilitating exchanges but again one must ask currency is given out as a means of like dealing with scarcity like you know there isn't and if there was infinite food in the world one would hopefully assume that we just give it out mm-hmm. for free but we don't give it out for free because it's not infinite and that's yeah. of course why you know when there are food shortages uh prices rise you know that's how that works regressively because we live in capitalist society yay go capitalism yay. um but they don't have a supply problem. 
And yet, again, talking about the idea of the elastic, uh, you know, tension of like falling back into rules based systems, all that they needed to do basically, and one I suppose could argue that relying on Lizo for this would be problematic because she's one person with all the power, and that could in theory make her a dictator or an autocrat. Um, but still, in an ideal world, she would just simply, you know, be asked, "Hey, can I have like no you know, supply problem? Yeah, can I can you I have, have like a." a- yeah. Sorry, you finish. I'm can, sorry, finish it, your it, someone, someone just <laughs> message her and say, hey, can I have like a cup ramen or something like that? And she goes, yeah, sure, here you go. Um, yeah, we have, we, a, we, we have a private property problem. Yeah, we... we not, a, uh, not a supply problem. Yeah, we, we unfortunately snap back to the systems that we already know, even yeah. though the answer is like so obvious it's actually kind of brilliant because it's so true also of real life i mean to give an example and this is true for both the us and the uk um there are my understanding of it is at least last and last checks there are more empty residential properties in both the us and the uk than there are homeless people i know i know it's so maddening. so what's the answer to homelessness then well we just give them away but we can't do that in a capitalist society but the they answer again jobs. is homeless. yeah and that, and that is, again, why I do actually think even though, like, in a lesser story, the infinite supply uh, thing would be a detriment to it because then there's no tension over scarcity, resources, starvation, thirst, you name it. Um, this is still making a point that, oh, um, you know, we keep falling back into these ways, but the solution is right there for us. And so to go to um, one particular part of the question here, which is, is it saying there's no hope for change? Well, I think that I think we'll have to see how the show plays out. Um, but the fact that the solution is there and is addressed and is brought up and is just as simple as it is, it doesn't require some like random ritual or some other like in show nonsense. Like it is literally as sensible and as common sense as, hey, uh, this is yours, go nuts. Um then I think that to go and go back to that example I mentioned about, like you know, the idea of providing, um, you know, housing for the homeless. The solution is there. We just need to act on it uh, on our will. But we'll have to see how the show plays out to see if it will ultimately address that. Because it also reminds me a little bit of what's happening in another show I'm watching on Kakeki Shoujo, where without again going into massive reams of detail, um, we have like individuals versus systems and. The problem you then run into, of course, is that sometimes if it was so easy to dismantle a system, we'd have done it already. And that's what you run into when you write stories like this, where, oh, we could just do that, but it really isn't that simple. So we'll we'll see. But I at least appreciate, like, you know, the, the show's being basically subversive and, and reverse engineering, like previously established tropes in this kind of story, where, okay, yeah, there isn't a supply problem, but that doesn't solve the problems. It just brings new ones into focus and allows us mm-hmm. to reflect on our own society where there is a scarcity issue of sorts, I suppose, depending on what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with this kind of stuff in Sunny Boy. Like, it's mm-hmm. certainly not conventional, but I think that makes it more interesting to think about. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I love the change of focus from, like, I mean... Nothing, you know, no no shade throwing here at, like, uh, Lord of the Flies kinds of stories that are about resource scarcity. Um, but it is really cool to see, like, the the notion of, uh, was it, as Proudhon, uh, famous anarchist that said property is theft. And this is, like, 
kind of a distillation of that idea that like there's infinite supply of stuff you know but like (laughs) the fact that like people have laid claim to it and certain people have laid claim to a huge massive pile of it means that like other people uh are are left wanting uh, yeah. in some way or another that's that's the big issue and that's why they have to make this economy because like you know some a person is sitting on a bunch of the resources and people want them and for whatever reason uh on on this island that they're on in episodes two and three if there's not an equitable exchange uh, of goods or services then whatever you get burns in the blue fire so yeah. very very interesting all right i'm gonna try to answer these questions i just um, have one I don't... other quick point okay. to make that i think is really cool sure. if you like mm-hmm. um god miso sorry yes miso like she sends money raining down from the sky uh which yes. then sets on fire Make but what's bri- what's brilliant about this and actually kind of like satirical even is again it's if people are running to grab it like they would do of course if you started like mm-hmm. throwing it's like it's like watching the end of, of tim burns batman the joke is throwing money yes. around yes. yeah and even though it's the joker doing it everyone's like no i want, I want the money you know but mm-hmm. first first point of course is that money doesn't mean shit on this island you know yeah. I mean, the, the the US dollar is backed by the fucking, you know, Federal Reserve. That sure as shit don't exist there. And I'm, I'm sure the equivalent applies to the yen. Uh, but I mean, in a more literal sense, like, if you have, like, everyone has, like, 50,000 yen or whatever it is in there, how do you dictate the price then for something? Like, you know, money know. is wor- money is worthless when everyone has tons of it, basically. Um, Again, another fog. Like, capitalism is designed for there to be a poor and, you know. So, in yeah. a way, like, apart from it just being Nozomi, like, uh, sorry, uh, apart from being like um oh god sunburn Mizuho. brain no Mizuho. <laughs> apart from me apart from Mizuho, like you know uh doing it just to spy everyone it also just goes to show like that you know even when there is literally infinite money for people it cannot work inside this system and ultimately you know is meaningless like they arguably got more worth out of it burning just to provide them with a little bit of warmth so another nice I little know. touch there i know there's like that's there's such a cool push and pull of like the kids um, trying to start their own thing and being, you know, different from or independent from other kind of organizations, societies, collaborations, and then them being chained down by kind of what they what they know, yeah, and what they know is capitalism, what they know is like authoritarian, top down uh, rule. And yeah, so that's a really interesting. Okay, it, it is. So. It is a bit depressing that you know, like the youth, the people you think would be the most imaginative, still fall back to the old ways. But I'll yeah, say I mean, well, this is maybe this is like commentary about like a society or whatever. It's particular. Oh, uh, are we emerging? Are, are we because... all? Are we all emerging from the well here? Going, ha! Ah, very interesting. <laughs> you look. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not that guy. But like, uh, but I guess just saying, like, look how indoctrinated these kids are. Mm-hmm. That's not their own fault because they're kids. You know what I mean? Um, like morally, they're culpable for choices they make or whatever. But like the fact that they can only envision a certain kind of world, like. I think adults do a lot of like the people that came before us, people in government now, the people teaching us, the people giving us examples when we were kids, 
Like, they shape our imaginations for that shit. And, you know, I think maybe part of what Sonny Boy is saying is, like, this generation's imagination has been limited uh, yeah. in a in a very real way. Like, they can only kind of imagine perpetuating what has come before. Uh, maybe that's part of what they're saying, and it's early. I think this is a big theme. I think we can move away from that. So, like, I'll get into trying to answer... Uh, yeah, sorry for subsidy character. Uh, oh, it's okay. Uh, I'll get into trying to answer Riku, Riku's questions via Yukinon. Um, so is the show saying that inequitable structures will always be reproduced, um, even in a vacuum, by those that are a product of them? So what I what I said just now would seem to say, like, yes. But I don't know if the show is saying that that's the way it always has to be. Like... I think it's early on for the kids. Perhaps as time goes by and they see the way that, you know, their society is working or not working, the way that the rules of the various different this worlds uh, interact with that, like maybe that'll kind of show them that they need to move in a different direction. I think a lot of it will go back to like what the author believes about human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, a very fundamental way in terms of at, at bottom are people naturally like good and are only kind of corrupted by their environment or are we naturally like selfish and cruel and only kind to each other because of societal constraints and mm-hmm. go, going back to what I said about like the different political theories I mean you know if you wanted to read the pessimistic kind of accounts you would look at, you'd read like Thomas Hobbes Leviathan is a very classic example of someone who's like, Hey, here's how society formed from like the state of nature. He calls it of, you know, of nothing to society. And, you know, he takes a pretty dim view of what's at the bottom of, of our hearts uh, as, as human beings. But people like Rousseau, people like John Rawls think like, well, you know, all the bad stuff we do is a product of like what's been pushed onto us by our environment and what we've learned. But like, if that all went away in a very real sense and we were all equal, but had the, you know, with the same kind of potentials, like then we would, we would help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an, I don't know. I don't know what Shingo Natsume like thinks about that. Um, up to this point, I think most of the evidence we have points to like him believing and the show saying that inequitable structures seem as, as you, uh, you Freudian slipped earlier, inevitable, <laughs> inequitable seems inevitable. Um, <laughs> but, I'm, uh... but I'm, but I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that like, so, so, to get into some of my broader thoughts about the show, not to do with these questions. It seems like each of the rules revealed in the show also kind of like, in addition to their political ramifications and the sociological experiments that they are like, seem to like help different characters kind of solve personal problems. And 
I, I guess what I'm hoping that the show does is like have these kids start to unlearn what they have been taught, like what they've inherited mm-hmm. politically speaking in terms of theory and craft something new. Uh, so I think that even if at this point it looks like the show is saying these things are just endemic to human beings, I see glimmers of that the show is saying that there is hope for change. Yeah, um, and and something yeah. to note, of course, is that the the actual even though they haven't escaped yeah, I mean it's obviously nowhere close to the end of the show. Even if they do end up escaping, that's still up for debate whether they do or not. What we need right. to note, of course, is that there are moments of genuine kindness in here, like Begara finding um, Mizuro's cat, for example, bringing her back mm-hmm. safely despite the fire, and then Mizuro herself and Begara, like you know, going to help the people in um, episode three who are trapped behind the black curtain of um, how to put it, it's like erasure, if you want to call it that, or just plain indifference. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that seems, and you know, the the progress, like in the, of moving from one place to another, seems to be tied a little bit to that. You know, breaking out of the mold in one form or another is the way in which progression happens. So it's probably not mm-hmm. as bleak as as you might think. And I I would argue, I suppose, if you know the show does end up asserting in the end that we can't escape, like you know, going back to these existing societal structures that aren't good for us. If at least there is still the potential for you know, moments of empathy and kindness mm. and, you know, that that's maybe it's not so bad. I mean, that's still something. The alternative is completely nihilistic, and I'm at least glad, right. you know, like, we have these things in here like to say that it's not like that. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm on board with that. By the way, just we also need to just quickly address the follow-up here, which is Nozomi and the yeah. Gara's powers of direction mm-hmm. and travel. Um... I think with respect to Nozomi, we need to find out at some point. I know I talked about mechanics before, and this is one thing I would like it to clarify. Is the direction something she chooses? Oh, that's uh, interesting. Or is it something that has been set out for her to find? Like, is it is it the case that she shines a light on the path, or is she more of a trailblazer, if you know what I mean? Right. So, based on what I can remember... Uh, it would seem that she is able to see it. So her power is called compass, right? Rather than like machete. Mm. Yeah. She's she's not like cutting a path through. Maybe she's like, she's seeing what's there in a way that other people cannot. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But one uh, that again, of course, then ties into the difference between uh, falling back in line uh, versus um you know charting your own path and coming up with something new and in, and i'm saying that though like maybe that could be something that happens later in the show where she breaks free of the compass and just gets to choose where they go next maybe that's how they break out because hmm. hmm. this this whole experience seems rather structured in a way that makes me think that well who put the rules there? i mean again talking about mechanics I'm not really so interested in the reams and reams of details of whatever deity or entity made this place. What molecules are these? <laughs> but, but, but I'm curious about the, if it exists at all or if it's just something else. Um, and what their intent in structuring in such a way is like, you know, I've led you down this path all this time to get, you know, I've sent you in circles and all this, and maybe then there's always like, well, actually, maybe my compass isn't what's important. Maybe what is important is uh, I, you know, me choosing my own path, that kind of thing. Um, and... I, I'm not quite yet sure. I haven't yet pieced together why Nagara needs to necessarily be involved in this from a narrative standpoint. Um, right. 
Right. Because it seemed to me like she was pretty willing to make the journey. It just turned out that mm-hmm. he, mechanically speaking, had to be there to get her to the end point, even though she was, of course, the one who made the jump. Um, yeah. Although, although one He's can, finding of course, all the portals now. One can, of course, point out that Megara's like, opening moments is him lying down. He seems very lazy, very unmotivated. And mm-hmm. yet, he, ironically, his ability to travel is what defines him. <laughs> that is so, an interesting irony, isn't it? Yes, there's some, something to note to that, perhaps. And maybe yeah. it speaks, and maybe that speaks more broadly to a message of, hey, you, Mr. Unmotivated, watching at home, you know, like you don't really want to do anything. You're just lazy or, I don't know, burnout, whatever you want to call it. Like you have no. the power to, like, shape worlds and all that. <laughs> like, maybe it's co- like more, more charitable. Like, uh, look at how you've ground down, you know, systems of the world. Like, look at how you've ground down this kid. Uh, who, in a different context, has the potential to discover completely True. new universes. Quite right. Quite right. So who That's knows? That's a more like, charitable but, reading. But <laughs> I mean, th- there is potential, nonetheless, uh, for things to go in interesting ways. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. Um, I mean, I think that's. I mean, we're actually ended the Patreon questions now, but just mm-hmm. to skip ahead very slightly to my overall thoughts. Uh, without mm-hmm. going into too much detail, like I think I could at least say that about Sunny Boy, is I want to see where things go next. Totally. I mean, I'm, I'm on on, uh, pins and needles is not the wrong. That's not the right analogy. I'm I anticipate the next episode greatly. I'm I'm excitedly <laughs> waiting. Uh, you, for, uh, for you you you. It was, what's that line like? It might be from Goodfellas. I'm not sure or something. Where it goes like you uh, you. You had my curiosity, now you have my attention, that kind of thing. Mm, right, yes. Sunny Boy definitely has my attention. I am I am really fascinated by everything happening. And I wish I had, I wish I could think of like a, a substantive answer to the follow-up from Yuki and, and Raccoon. Like, how might the, the powers of direction and travel be challenging the idea of of uh inequalities of structure being inevitable um yeah i wish i had a more substantive answer other than like you know hey like kids have the ability and potential to do anything and come up with you know the the passion and energy of youth as like the mm-hmm. the vigor and the potential to like discover and create like incredible new things that the older generation couldn't have envisioned and like you know and yet <laughs> we're still like taking orders from the student council i guess <laughs> oh um, god well so. i mean i mean you know depending on what uh show you're watching that's uh not taking orders, not taking the orders of the student council is punishable by death and being yelled at yes. by a very, very loud and angry <laughs> proto-fascist uh, who also has a BDSM power-up. Yeah, I'm referring to Killer Kill here, of course. That rules. Yeah, uh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I, right, well, that's the end of our Patreon questions anyway, so thank you to everyone who submitted those. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward you. to seeing where this goes, the show goes and also seeing what more questions we get, so I appreciate everyone sure. chipping those in. So thank you very much, Excellent. Raku, Riku, and you can help. Yes, excellent questions, and if anyone out there listening wants to submit, head on over to patreon.com slash Desho and sign up at the $2 tier. That will give you the Discord privileges to access the Sunny Boy channel 
and then you can hop in there um, and ask us questions. Indeed. Right. Uh, so now on to uh, final yeah. talk about. I only really have one left at the moment uh, that I feel concretely happy about putting out there. And I want to talk about episode three and the kids who end up getting, like, how to put this, like, shunned into non-existence, basically. Mm-hmm. Where, because there's a very, I think there's a very key thing that happens with one of them that distinguishes this is not um, because they themselves chose to be this way necessarily, but rather it is an external um, force acting on them in the mm-hmm. rule of the, of the third episode's world. Yeah, um, Namco Bandai is the yeah. external force, putting them in there for live streaming Pac-Man. <laughs> well, well but, that, but that is exactly it. You've nailed it, Doc. One of them is live streaming. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, right? Okay, it might be Pac-Man, and I can't recall the last time I've ever heard of Pac-Man being streamed. Well, that's. <laughs> it's been I, a while. I, I, but that being said, I also, of course, completely sympathize with the kid for wanting to stream and being like, I don't have anyone watching. Like, that's happened to me a couple of times. But the point being, mm-hmm. nonetheless, yeah. is that there is an outreach happening here. Now, whether or not no one's watching because no one cares or because that's blocked by the world is irrelevant. But nonetheless, this is not a case of I am being totally introvert. Like, this one kid out of these of these lot here wants to reach out. Now, that to me makes it clear that this is not a case of they have brought this fate on themselves, but rather they have been ostracized or shunned by society to the point where people don't even remember what their names are. That kind of thing. Right, yeah. Um, so, so, and that's kind of like led them to them being erased. And that I think also like is quite a powerful thing that it points out that, hey, uh, you know, mm. um, pay attention to the people around you like uh, i'm not saying everyone needs to be on first name basis with everyone else of course but you know when you're in a small environment like that it might help to make sure to pay a little bit of attention to them but conversely of course some of them seem very happy inside of these environments but still insist like par again of the rules based orders they must be dragged out you know uh like what yeah. and there's and no concrete reason is given for them doing that like oh you know we want them to work and all that i'm like so what what are you working towards like your goal should be finding an exit building like beach or something seems a bit daft especially given one of the people you've sent the investigation can actually just build (laughs) shit for you by clicking her fingers (laughs) this is such a good point because everyone i mean this is like the fucking hamster wheel of capitalism right like everyone is rather than collaborating on what they need to do to make their life better like Everyone wants shit from the vending machines. And so Pretty they build much. a fence for half a day to get their like sports drinks and candy yeah. bars or whatever <laughs> their fast yeah. food buckets. So, um, so I like I like the nuance and the, symp- and the sympathy this gives towards this these bunch of characters. It'd be very easy to just make them be, you know, I don't like anyone. I hate everyone I talk to. You're all terrible. You're all shit. Blah 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 blah. That kind of thing. But rather, right. they're just. Hey, I like doing my own thing, um, and again, the reason that they are one like that they tried to, that the group wants them out of there is not justified by empathy, but rather they try to justify as like we want them out to work. But even then, that's shown to be like you know a know. facile reason. Um, so it's so it's it's well nuanced, and I like that they just add that one Man. little touch in of here's this person who's trying to live stream. They do want to engage, but they want to do so on their terms. It's so it's such a good point by you because it's th- these you know these frozen people I think they call them like they don't 
it doesn't happen until episode three. Like they're on the island during episode two, mm-hmm. but once they set up the currency and like the economy becomes such an important part of their life, that's when those people become alienated because they're not interested in getting that shit necessarily, at least not through work and and they don't want to work. And like the other people who want to participate in that hamster wheel just don't have time for them. And so like, it's like a double, like they don't want to be there. And then the other people, it doesn't matter if they leave because they don't care. So yeah, they're just, they're pushed out and alienated by, you know, the like all pervasive, uh, what is it? Uh, the all pervasive Hyoryu coin mm-hmm. and uh, trying to, to get a bunch yeah. of shit from the vending machines. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or maybe more, get a bunch of more Tanuki suits. And it's just because from, from the, and in the end, the Garo, like, you know, actually talks him a little bit and, like, helps him out in the end, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's it's a nice little bit of nuance there where it's not simply just, okay, these people sh- should be forced out of their cliques. Like, you know, no, yeah. they're, in, they're, mm-hmm. in, they're in the places they want to be. There's no mm-hmm. justifiable reason given to force them out of it, on, except on their own terms, of course. So, yeah, uh, good shit to Sunny Boy for making that, Very good shit. Po- making that point. Yeah, it's not critical of them as individuals, which I really, really like. And I think that that theme was was started in episode two. And here's the thing I was going to say is that I think episode two is a really great story about how people uh, really, really want to blame individuals for systemic problems. Like, it's so easy, right? Someone just has to be like, Oh, it was them. Did you did you know hear about it? Did you did you hear how it was their fault? This and this. And then that just catches fire. And everyone, without really any kind of evidence apart from hearsay, is like, hey Mizuo, we know that you're burning all of our shit and you need to stop, or something really bad's gonna happen to you. There's like people like stalking her, throwing shit through her windows, like threatening her, like all because they think this individual is to blame for this clearly systemic problem that was, it seems like it was so easy for Raj to figure out. You know, like you, you, just, know you know, what's just just punk stru- it you, know what, you know what's just struck me? Mm. Um, they are more interested in punishing Mizuo for burning things, or supposedly burning things, rather than just from her excessive, overly excessive wealth and material right. resources yeah. Yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. pe- people will not criticize the rich be that monetarily rich or materially rich for the fact they have that in of themselves when they could be sharing out of us they will need something else even something made of complete fiction to point that out yeah. to, to, to have to go for them like you burned my shit now i'm mad because <laughs> yeah, it affects me it, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's it's crazy so yeah um kudos to the show for this for also not being i should say in anything we've really discussed being overly didactic about it overly like you know preachy i mean there is that discussion yeah. between Mizo and nagaro about capsules but it's brief and it's to the point and it works um there isn't any like real screening it's just it's subtle it works in my opinion yeah the 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 wrong person <laughs> gets to win the wrong argument gets to win just because she's you know aggressive mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, she's just like, hey, we live in a capitalist society, dude. 
that's how it is in the real world. It's like, look around. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not that world, and it doesn't have to be. You know, we yeah. can it can be something else. But like, they're so wed to these um, indoctrinated, yeah, ideals and ways and, of moving through the world. And last thing I'll say is again, just to point out like how this show is doing things differently than you might expect. There's plenty of stories out there about rich people suddenly losing all of their wealth or the ability to exercise their wealth. You can see it, for example, happening maybe in some post-apocalypse stories. You got this like rich executive, like, you know, stranded and can't call anyone, his money's meaningless, blah blah blah. He's completely powerless. But what we have here is the opposite, where we have Mizuro, for example, gaining the power of wealth and material resources and infinitum. And the thing is, like, I something I should note as well, um, just with everything I've discussed about the idea of infinite resources in this show. At a certain point, there isn't a distinction to be made, in my opinion, be- when it comes to supply of something people need, between it being infinite and it being more enough to cater to everybody. That, to me, feels like it, as long as it is replenished, which in this case in the show it absolutely is, there is no difference. And of course, in turn, that applies to the example I said about homelessness and, you know, like supply of housing. Do we have infinite housing available? We don't, of course, but we have enough to cater for everybody. So what really is the difference? It's a semantic one, I would argue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and that's similarly, yeah. and that's why in turn it works, in my opinion, in the show, because even though they do have infinite resources, at a certain point, supply becomes so immense that it doesn't matter that, you know, so it, that's why that works, in my opinion, rather than it being a detriment as it would be in a lesser written story, so kudos overall to the show, like, you know, I mean, on my first watch through for all this, like, I, I caught some bits of this here and there. But I have to admit, like, its obtuseness kind of caught me a little bit off guard. But that, again, mm-hmm. is not the show's fault. You have to take it on its own, you know, like, on its own terms, basically. Um, and I think that there is certainly um, a rewarding element to it. And also just the fact that it's also non-conventional in how it approaches it, like I said, mm-hmm. it's worthwhile as well. Yeah, there's so many questions I have about, you know, like the show's relationship to technology. Um, because it just seems like magic. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. laughing because I just want to quickly point out Arthur when we C. got to, when no. when we got to episode two, and there was that QR code. I thought I'm gonna pause, and I'm gonna scan it with my phone, and it didn't do anything. And I'm no. like, that's such a missed opportunity. It didn't need to be anything. Take you to the website. It should have been a fake app for those coins. It should have made a point of like people, like you know, where you can just like start trading these coins. That's all you can do, and you're like, well, what the fuck's the point? Of this? And you go, oh right, that is the point. There is no point to this made up currency. You've done so much yeah. for that. It'd be great. Damn it, damn it, Sonny boy, you had an opportunity there, but never mind, I guess. <laughs> Admittedly, admit. Damn I mean, right. I haven't seen anything on social media to suggest that that's the case either. Like you know that there was a QR code and made my phone broke. But I'm just thinking, like, wouldn't that have been so cool if you that did been, that? That that would have been that would have been, been baller. But yeah, anyway. baller for sure. I am all talk town talking points, so I'll pass the baton mm. over to you, Doctor. Anything else to add? I mostly covered everything, but I do have a question. If you think, what do you think the relationship is between, if there is a relationship at all, between the different uh, rules imposed on the group? So I'll just give you my interpretation of each of the rules for you and the audience here as a, as a refresher. So in episode one, the school, um, it's that rules, uh, are coercively enforced. Like, like 
the power, whoever majority imbues with power can coercively enforce the rules that they come up with. Rule um, of law, yeah. Yeah, but like uh, democratic sort of elected rule of law. Like people say you have the power and then you have the power uh, and you have the legitimate use of force. Uh, and then on the island, in episode two, we've said that items acquired unfairly burn up and uh, exchanges require, um, you know, uh, a bartering requires a, an equitable exchange. Uh, the third one on the island, it seems like that, like, you can, people can kind of, like, alienate themselves, like, think themselves into isolation. Um, Mm -hmm. they are alienated from society, from the world, and they can go into their shell, and it's like a physical, like a real shell, right? So, like, do you think that there's any core theme or progression or any kind of relationship Johnny Rackham says the QR code is real. Yeah, I, I, it must have stopped working. I think they've mentioned in, because um, we've had a Reddit thread posted on our Discord about this just now. So thank you for pointing that there, Rackham, where mm-hmm. it mentions you have to reverse the colors or something like that. Um, but the fact that actually works is amazing. I'm so glad that that is. I'm going to have to find out what it is later. Nice. Um, yeah. to, go, to go back to your question, I think we're going through different strata of, um, of layers of rules and societal-like requirements so we have like the absolute base which is the rule of law that's the baseline which is mm-hmm. do people like you know believe in like figures of authority because that's true of whatever economic system you're in like if you talk about communism for example uh that's still you know that still applies you have to believe in the authority figures there it's this and even then going back to like you know the time of kings and all that like the divine right of kings again that is the investment of the rule of law so that's your first layer and stacked on top of that is your economic system, of course, as we talked about. And then it's your social system there. So I think that these are increasing layers of the same thing. And that as they're drilling through these worlds, they're going up this like tower of like what layers society is built on. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's my suggestion. That's my suggestion anyway, because like yeah. you can't. I mean, you can't have uh, an economic system firstly without, of course, the rule of law to enforce it. But then so much of our social system and social rules are dependent on an economic system uh, that in turn, I don't think it could exist without one because, you you know, people want stuff and how do you get stuff from other people? Um, that dictates your social interaction by virtue of just your basic needs. So yeah. I, I don't think the link between those last two is necessarily directly strong because the economic problem is not really something that affects the, uh, the characters in episode three that have been... Um, you know, take into the behind the curtain rooms. But that being said, they are in turn like, you know, being demanded to be pulled out from it because they want them to work. So maybe that in turn is the economic link there. But I think that these are right. kind of like a, I don't know what the, like, it's like the uh, the Tower of Hanoi, like, you know, thing where mm-hmm. you have like, you know, these layers and you can't really pull out the bottom ones without all collapsing. So we'll yeah. see what it keeps yeah. drilling up towards as it goes through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could be completely out talking out of my ass that one, but that seems like a link that I can mm-hmm. come up with. Yeah, they, we're just uh, theory crafting. We're theory crafting. And yeah, yeah I'd say this, those kids in episode three, you know, are, I mean, they're just being dehumanized in, in a way because what suddenly has become like the measure of your value and worth is uh this is this fucking currency or really the work that you put in to get it uh right uh just like you know now like 
people might hear that someone doesn't work or just collects a, I don't know, a disability check or welfare or whatever. And, you know, certain older people for sure, but people with a certain kind of mindset would think less of you because you don't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're like a lesser person uh, because you're not contributing to society or whatever, despite the fact that there's so many other ways to contribute to society yeah. than fucking be at some corporation. Than having, <laughs> like, you than know ha- what I mean? Than, ha- like, than having the value of the labor exploited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh God. But like, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's a good, uh, a good working theory. I had a similar thought was just that like the, sh- that the show was like presenting different, either forms of government or, pieces of government or institutions like power structures right throwing them at the kids and be like like your reality you know it's it's baked into the metaphysics of the world that like you know these dudes decide the rules and if you break them they can magically punish you or you know if you don't exchange uh, have an equal exchange of goods or services like the thing that you got through exploitation will burn up and like, how do you respond to those scenarios? Like, mm-hmm. um, is, and, and I think some of the responses have been good and some of them have been bad. Uh, mm-hmm. that like the way that they responded to, um, the, the kind of, uh, law and order, you know, baseball bat to hand, uh, government, um, of episode one seemed to seem to be a good thing. You know, this individual act of rebellion that created totally new conditions for a different kind of society to, to form and flourish. But then what happened with episode two, like how they reacted to this rule of equitable exchange, um, seemed to be a very bad reaction, (laughs) like introducing, like a a layer of of currency just seemed and, and it's bad because it's now created this culture that alienates people. I mean, I think that like it's an objectively bad thing that those people mm. got you know like thought themselves into isolation. Yep. You know? And other people are like, is that a disease? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. Wow. Or they were fought into isolation by them, but it depends on like who's responsible. Mm, but yeah, I'm of, yeah, I'm, of sure. the opi- I'm of the opinion it's probably more likely to have been that mm. you know the the uh, society around them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I've got nothing more to add really. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. It's interesting fine, to think about. Damn fine show. Damn fine show. So now we're gonna rate and review this damn fine show. Um, oh boy. Um, right. Well, I'll go first then. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can necessarily criticize, like, I, I don't think the show really has any failings as far apart from the perhaps the fact that, and I admit this might just be me and the fact that my brain has been, like, you know, flambéed into, like, you know, a, <laughs> into a stew for my yes. own folly, but I, yes. I think the problem is, like, some of the characters feel a little indistinct from each other. It feels like that mm-hmm. they just kind of blend together. Um... Yeah. And that makes, I think that makes following what's going on a little more difficult than it needs to be like. I think, because I think that when it comes to writing, there is an intended level of ambiguity or impenetrability when it comes to the text versus 
what actually happens. You know, we talk about all four and ten, you know, for example, and actual execution. And I think that Sunny Boy does intend to be like, you know, a show that demands a lot of its audience. But there are still ways in which, you know, like I think that it makes things a little bit tricky for us to follow along that shouldn't be there. Like again, the fact that characters feel a bit here and there. Like Nagaro, for example, like I, I, so much I, of it yeah. is very vague. <laughs> yeah. Like Nagaro, I'm just like he he's a dude, you know. And again, uh, this is all this yeah. this is all very much intention, like, you know, as I said before, with not wanting to give too much backstory to them, but I I mean there needs to be a little bit more development to make the show feel engaging as well. Because I can see a lot of hmm. people being turned off. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying this needs to become like a dinosaur where it is about the characters expressly. Um, because I think this is more a conceptual show. But mm-hmm. it still, to me, feels like you know I'm struggling to remember who the heck various people are. Um, but nonetheless, I find it intriguing. I think it looks great. Uh, it's certainly not lacking for visual flair, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm intrigued by its philosophy. I'm intrigued by its um, the way in which it's doing things and that it's not, again, starting from high order to chaos, like, but rather it's showing that descent into order itself is a problem, which is an unusual message, but a welcome one nonetheless. Um, I hope that eventually it becomes more pointed and hopefully a bit more positive, how should we put it, like optimistic in its critique of the systems it's looking at and that maybe they can be overcome in some way or another or even it's just maybe little individual victories are still worthwhile because otherwise it might get a little nihilistic. Um, so yeah, I'm overall pretty positive on this show. Um, I'm probably in the end going to give it uh, 4.25 out of 5 um, killer clowns from outer space dogs because literally they look like dogs made out of balloons like in that film <laughs> um, so yeah 4.25 out of 5 in the end uh, it could be a little bit I say it could be a little bit more engaging on the character front I think uh, without being detrimental to its overall mm. abstract and conceptual nature um, but still overall a solid start and I, I buy a shows like this as well I should say that are un how should we say like unaccommodating and unrepentantly themselves like i'm here to be the way i am so to be the show that i want to be i'm not trying to accommodate people who aren't interested i'm not trying to like you know throw in random shit like fan service for example where it's not justified um you know i i'm here and it's always justified yeah um (laughs) so yeah i'm glad for that and hopefully like I'm curious as to where it goes next, but again, I'm hoping it delivers more on exam- its examinations and its subversions rather than being interested in mecha- mechanics. So uh, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Let's see how we go. <laughs> yeah. Do you just feel like you've been burned lately so you don't want to get your hopes <laughs> Oh, you did not just say that! You know what's happened to me over this weekend, you bastard. I'm sorry, while well, I was saying that, I didn't think I'm of the joking. I'm j- until I you reacted. Yeah, yeah, I have been burned so badly I can't think straight. I, the sun is a deadly laser, as they say. Oh, for fuck's sake. I can't believe you. No. That was incredible. You did that without even realizing. <laughs> Pun not intended. Uh, the answer to that is yes, I have been burned by anime as of late. Uh, again, thinking of Wonder Egg, so... Sure. God. Yeah. Let's hope this is more of a um Oh my god, why can't I never remember the name of this fucking show? You know that we covered uh after uh Izokin. Uh that would be decadence, wouldn't it? Yes. 
I hope it's more of a decadence than a than a wonder egg. Uh, well, well, neither of them ended. Neither of them like ended no, as well as they started. No, but one is but clearly the better drop, than the other. Yeah, one one had a much sharper drop off in quality. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, looking yeah, looking forward to what comes next. Week. Um, anyway, over to you, Doc. You gotta give your uh, gotta give a rating. Um, well, it's funny how ratings are because it sounds like you're giving it four and a quarter, like trending down, whereas I, I'm also giving it four and a quarter stars. Um, or rather, four and a quarter. Um, oh, I don't know. Shattered smartphones out of five, like to trending up, because you know I think that the show, like you said, it's just so um, unafraid uh, to be what it is and say what it needs to say, what it wants to say in the way it wants to say it. Um, it just is very distinctive. And I love its ideas so much. Like this is very much a like my speed kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not really any huge flaws. I mean, for me, um, I guess, you know, like you said, I could see how other people <laughs> watch uh, Kageki Shoujo, uh, says Yukinan. Um, what dudes, where's Kageki Shoujo streaming? Uh, it is on Funimation. Okay, well, maybe maybe I will watch it. Maybe is it I kid, will. Maybe I will. Is it kid friendly? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with no because I'm gonna go with no because basically uh, it has seen it, well content warning for a show we're not even talking about on the podcast, but it, uh, eating disorders, um, child oh, abuse, oh. <laughs> um. But thankfully, the, these scenes are very much in moderation. Uh, they're not excessive. They're not, gr- like, you know, yeah, exploitative. They have a very, very clear um, narrative purpose. But, mm-hmm. yeah, content warnings do exist, and with good reason, like Yaki Shoujo. Um, <laughs> okay, fair. Fair. So wait, wait till after the kids are in bed to watch this one. Uh, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so back to Sunny Boy. Um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, all the other things uh, people could perceive as faults. I mean, I just think like are, are really are things that turn me on are things that are appealing about the show. Uh, I love it's, uh, abstract obtuse nature. Uh, I love, you know, the, the writing and the, like I said, the ideas, um, the visuals, uh, the, the sound design. But I guess, I mean, I'm saying I love everything about it. Why is it not five stars? Well, you know, like you said, um, th- there's, um, I think I said similar words about parts of uh, Girls' Last Tour is that, like, um, there's, like, an, uh, it's intellectually just candy, but, like, there's a certain emotional punch it doesn't quite have yet. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, It's it's not like there's necessarily something wrong with what it's trying to do it's more like it doesn't rise to the level yeah there are there are shows that both can be an an intellectual and emotional feast and sunny boy is not really emotionally driven by design so i can't Mm -hmm. fault it for that but i mean you know i can't also then say like you know it's as emotionally engaging because it isn't by designs as others which i would find overall races better anime so there you go yeah, I mean, 
It's just not to say I'm not interested in the characters. I mean, I, I like them all. Like, it's just not the show's, like, the, like the show just doesn't, uh, like, it's not its strength and it doesn't, like, push up the overall quality again to make the show rise to the level of something else. But, but that's not to say that, like, you know, I, I mean, if it keeps up the level that it's, that it's at quality wise, like with the writing and everything else it's doing, I mean, I could end up rating the show even higher because that consistency over time is definitely meritorious. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for the God to turn up. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Don't, don't wish that into being, uh, don't wish that into being. Okay. Well, folks, we did it. Um, stream of thought we have covered episodes one through three of sunny boy um that's our show um next week is we we begin the second stream this this will be a stream that patreon viewers we're getting the be able to have access to right away what's that we're getting we're getting the beast running we're hailing a ride yep yep yeah that's right (laughs) uh the next two weeks we're going to be doing patron streams uh podcasts they'll come out eventually for free but if if you want to get on those now then head on over to patreon.com slash watery death show and subscribe at the appropriate tier level shadon uh remind me and the people which ones that we are covering for which weeks so next week we will be covering odd taxi uh, a show that i feel like with the benefit of hindsight we probably should have uncovered when it was airing but well what are you, what can you do nobody knew when it was just starting right it didn't have a momentum behind it It definitely like built up a cult following over time yeah it's true i, I mean i admittedly didn't even watch it while i was airing separately but well more fool me i guess uh, so anyway odd taxi is next week uh the week after that will be death parade uh, oh, man. A, a show so that I know next to nothing about. I'm assuming there is death and there is a parade in it. That's my best guess. Uh, like it's a show that I've been meaning to watch for so long, but I've not seen it. Um, mm-hmm. I love Death Billiards, the anime Mirai short from years ago that was a kind of precursor to Death Parade, and I've heard nothing but glowing reviews. Uh, uh the late, you know missed zach birchie uh former editor at anime news network wrote a really great review of death parade um for that website that i would recommend Mm -hmm. i mean well maybe not read maybe it's best to go into the show blind but just uh, once you finished it if you've if you've watched it and you haven't read that review give it give it a look it's a really good piece i mean i think all of his reviews are quite good but um, but yeah i mean i'm very excited about both of these shows so if you want to get in on the odd taxi shenanigans and ask us questions and get access to um, the podcast right away. Patreon.com slash show and subscribe at the kind of money tier. Uh, and if you want to have access to the Death Parade stuff right away, subscribe at the Viking Experience tier. Uh, join Askelad. Oh, man. Uh, you know, you know, we need to. It, it, we would eventually potentially need to rename that because we should call it the farmer's experience here, given been the series being announced. Although uh, I don't we'll... think I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna you know beat of course Askeladd wearing you know <laughs> the crown. <laughs> I got nine. Straight I got out nine, of nine, 
I guess straight out of Finland, I got 99 Lombos. <laughs> no. Um, t- Johnny oh, uh, Rackham is asking next week uh, what How many episodes are there? Uh, I believe it's the 12th episode one, so we're probably going to do 12 or 13? Yeah. It, it might well be 12 or 13, but I think we'll probably do one to four. Uh, we'll confirm that in our Discord, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like. Oh, no. Um, 13 is episodes. It? Oh, it's damn dirty thirteen, or is it? Uh, yeah. So, should we do the first five, or should we uh, load up the back end of the last? I five? I I say load up the back end because if if this because if our taxi is as uh, good as everyone makes out to be, we'll probably have a lot to talk about. And uh, doing yeah. five episodes is uh, is yeah. tricky. Um, we like a we like a loaded back end. Oh, I do. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. we're talking about the same thing, mind you. But anyway. <laughs> well, well, uh, folks. You know, you know where to find us. Well, actually, Shadon, why don't you tell the people again where you are on Twitter if well, people want to converse? The, well, if I don't heal up soon, I'm going to change my Twitter handle to at Raging Radish. But in the meantime, <laughs> you can find me at Shaden1010, of course, and you can talk to me about anything apart from radishes. Just leave them by the door. Thank you very much. I am at The Subtle Doctor and the podcast account if you want to know when episodes are dropping, uh, if you want to get links to Patreon stuff. Um, then at Watery Death Show on Twitter. Uh, if if you don't want to feel like uh, subscribing to the Patreon, then there's all kinds of other feeds and services which you could uh, subscribe, you could rate, you could review. Uh, it helps us out. Uh, all that stuff does with our discoverability, especially rating us on the Apple Podcast app. If you would give us a five-star review, if you give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, as as the great Bomani Jones says. Five stars, please. No, I, I kid. Give us whatever review you feel is is worthy. But uh, with all that said, he's Shadon. I'm the Subtle Doctor. This has been Stream of Thought, Lottery Desho, and Embrace Each Other everyone to the ends of the universe good night bring back the brothers